then, that's a call to praise, then there is a why we praise God. And so the intent tonight in our study is to understand uh, how to make our singing and how to make our prayers, but also our daily praise of God. What? How many of you praise God for something he's done for you? How many times has he answered a prayer that you humbly and fervently request and he granted that you break out into joy and you praise God and you sing uh, whether it rhymes or not? And I tell you, I'm the worst singer, but sometimes I just have to break out in, in song and word uh, to my God for what he's done for me. Praising God is the major component of our worship, isn't it? That's why we come together, to worship our God and to praise him and adore him. And that's the concept behind this a uh, group of psalms, the hallelujah or praise psalms. Certainly, we sing uh, many hymns here that have to do with praising God. And within those hymns, we have reasons why we praise God and why it's important to praise God. It's important for us, therefore, to pay attention to our words that they not become idle words. Why? What's going to happen to us and idle words one day? Judge. They're all going to be brought into judgment, aren't they? So we want to ensure that what we say to God in our prayer, in our song life, in our daily life of just the joy of knowing God is as it should be. Uh, and the psalmist uh, have left us things to imitate about them. We look at Lamentations Psalms. We looked at other Psalms of various descriptions uh, that help us to pray, that help us to understand the history of God and man, the purpose of man to God. And through, <coughs> through imitating uh, these Psalms, we can extol, we can commend, we can applaud God and please Him. God did not put us here uh, to do our own thing. I, we'll talk about this in just a little bit, but I believe the whole reason for mankind is to praise God, whether it be with the fruit of our lips with our behavior, with our speech towards each other, in our actions towards each other. And so we look at this song, uh, Psalms songbook uh, tonight, and we remember uh, as we begin that we're commanded to sing and praise God, aren't we? Ephesians 5.19 says that we are to uh, Praise Him and worship Him in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. Heart has to be attached. And so we go on to Colossians 3.16 and we understand Paul says in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with 
grace in your heart. Why? Because God has shown us grace. Shouldn't we also be free and willing to share our grace with each other? And certainly this one is one of my favorite. James 5.13 says, Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. Sing psalms. Goes back to being happy. God gave us this day. God fed me today. God warmed me today. God heard me today when I prayed to get through this class without bringing shame on him or you. And it'll be so. Praise God. Why are we so timid about praising God and just bursting out? Somebody might see me. They might think I'm one of those. Just burst out. Car, home, whatever. Someone wrote, uh, the core of the hymn of praise is the consciousness of the poet and the congregation that they are standing face to face with God. Did you ever think about that on Sunday morning or Sunday evening? Tonight? When we stand and praise God, we are facing God face to face. Meeting the Almighty, holy and merciful God in His place and worshiping Him with praise and adoration to express what the congregation is seeing and feeling and increase His glory in the world. Is that our aim when we sing? Do we have that fear when we sing? Or does God hear kind of a mumbling uh, I'm thinking about something else, but oh, I'll, oh, I like the chorus and I'll sing. Does God get part of what he asked us to assemble together for? And so I think that's a very good comment. We're here to face him face to face and praise him for what he's done in our lives, what he's done in others' lives, for what he has given us to do, for where he has given us to go, all sorts of things, remembrances, hopes, and his grace. There's, there are five different Hebrew words, and here we go back to Hebrew. Higdon's going back, back to Hebrew again. There are five, there are five Hebrew words uh, that talk about praise and, and roughly mean the same thing, but a little different. How's that? It's kind of like saying if you've never had influenza, avoid it like the flu. So uh, each one has a common interest, though, in the enthusiasm that we're to bring uh, to God's throne. So let's look at the, at the first one. Hallel. Without knowing Hebrew, what would you say Hallel is part of? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise, Yah. What's Yah? God, short for Yahweh. And it means to celebrate 
to laud or praise, to boast. It's the root word, as we said, of Hallel. Yada. Yada does not mean the current uh, saying of yada, yada, yada. I hate to break that to you. Yada means to worship with extended hands. It means to lift up your hands, to lift up yourself unto God. That's yada. Barak. Barak simply means to declare God as the origin and only source of power, success, or victory, and recognizes him as the source of all things. Is that the God you worship? Is he the source of all that you have, all you can be, the source of all knowledge, the source of all love, the source of all grace, and we could go on and on and on. Number four is Shabbat. I forgot to mention last time, if, you're, if you have the Bibles with the Hebrew pronunciation, if you have an underline under CH, that's the guttural. So always have a Kleenex handy. Shabbat. It's to shout or comment loudly. Now, it's not an uncontrolled uh, sort of thing where you see people shouting and dancing around and, and looking like they're having a fit. Uh, it is a controlled shout to God. And we read of that in the Old Testament, don't we? And we read of that, I believe, in the New Testament quite often. Shouting to God, lifting up our voices to God, praising God loudly. And the fifth one, gil. Gil means to circle in joy, to dance in circles. In the Old Testament, we find they were to dance. David danced before the Lord. You remember other examples of those who danced uh, for religious reasons, and especially during harvests and other times, they would join hands, and you may have seen the Jewish uh, uh, dances in the circles. Uh, we don't have a New Testament instruction to, uh, but Israel had one. And so those five words are used throughout uh, the book of Psalms. What, what does praise hymns, what's, what's their place in Psalms, do you think? What's their place? What, what reason... Uh, did the Holy Spirit include these praise psalms? Well, we studied lament psalms, haven't we? Those were the ones that were bad. And in the beginning, when we began the class, we noticed on that chart that from book one to book five, the laments decreased and the praise increased. Do you remember that? And tonight we're going to look at the 150th Psalm that closes out this wonderful doxology of praise to God. Uh, a man named Bullock uh, said that the emotional disposition of the Psalter alternates between praise and lament, but the nature of the Psalter is such that the power of gravitation is in the direction of praise. And so <coughs> as we look at the lament Psalm, the lament psalm was directed to God, uh, and 
ask for his help in time of need. And we looked at some of those times of needs uh, that they went to God and, and said, you know, my plight is terrible. Uh, my enemies are at the gates. My enemies surround me. Uh, it's like I'm in uh, Sheol. But when we look at praise songs, these are like sighing turned into singing through prayer. We praise God. And in our prayerful attitude with Him, we remember His help in our times of need. We remember the things that He has done in our lives, maybe brought us back uh, from a time when we were far away from Him. Maybe He corrected us in some things that we believed. All sorts of things. Uh, but when we looked at in lesson two, uh, and we studied those five books, we looked at how gradually as they became to know, uh, as the children of Israel came to know God and began following Him and returning to His Word. In the, in the beginning, there were lots of laments because they suffered lots of things beginning in the desert. And as they come out of Babylonian captivity, Ezra is reading the word of the law, word of the Lord, as they work, three and four hours a day. Every time I read that, it kind of points a finger at me. How often do I sit down and read God's word? Could I do that? Could I? Listen for four hours. You know, in Scotland and other places, Church of Christ services sometimes last three or four hours. Just something to think about. But it would seem that praise is the goal in which the whole book of Psalms moves from whining and disobeying God and suffering the consequences to seeing God's strength, to seeing God's wisdom, to seeing God's goodness, His faithfulness, and turning back to the Lord. And so when we look at doxologies uh, of praise, at the end of each of the praise psalms, you'll see a doxology. What's a doxology? The study of dox. What is a doxology? Pardon me? Glory. Glory. Glory to God. A, a final reminder and praise uh, unto God. And uh, in, ver in uh, Psalms 150, I told you we would look at that in a little while, but if you'll notice the end of the book, that's the last chapter in the book of Psalms. The doxology at the end says, everything that has Breath to praise the Lord. What? Praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. It's everybody, isn't it? That's everybody. Every creature. You know, creatures in their own way glorify God. 
simply in the way they do things, in their beauty, and in their absolute mystery, which I find wonderful. So how important is, is it to praise God? How important is it? Vital, I like that word. Vital. What does vital mean? Vita. For my Latin students. Vita. Life. It's a matter of life and death. Praise God. It's uh, Here's a slide I put up that says, uh, it's, as I mentioned a while ago, it's the very purpose of human existence. Paul told the Corinthians, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to what? The glory of God. Why? God has enabled you to do that. I found out you can't do without your left arm for very long. You can't smack your forehead like that. God has given us health. God has given us strength. Look at the body design that each of us have. Male and female are somewhat different. But accomplishing everything that needs to be done on life. Just the brain itself amazes me. How we can remember. How we can have images in our head. You ever have little images when you remember of things? Know your telephone number. Well, yeah, I go to my contacts. No. Marvelously made. And when you get sick, your body repairs itself if you let it. May need some help from the doctor, of course. But your doctor, I mean, your body knows how to repair itself. It knows how to distribute nutrients. It knows how to eliminate things that you don't need. We can communicate. You can understand me. I can learn another language and speak to someone else. I can do all sorts of things. Why not praise God for that? I mean, just think about, of your own life. Something about the way your body performed that just amazed you. Well, I could be here all night, but I better not. And I think it recalls the words of Solomon when he says, let us hear the whole conclusion. And what's the whole conclusion of the matter? Why are we here? To fear God or respect God and keep his commandments. In both of those, we what? God. Praise God. We praise God. And that praise is more than sacrifice as we read over and over in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as is quoted by, by Christ and, and uh, the apostles. In Psalm 69, if you'll turn to Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bull which has horns or hooves. So, what's better than a sacrifice? Using the vocal cords. 
Wasn't it a wonderful time? It must have been back in the garden when Adam spoke to God and God spoke to Adam and they communicated with each other. They talked with each other. That's why we have vocal cords. Not to get on TikTok or, or whatever useless thing we may have today, but to praise, to encourage, to lift up, to exhort, to do good that God may be praised. I'm going to stop and see if there are any questions right now or comments. So, everybody still awake? Wiggle your fingers. Okay. All right, just checking. Praise by its very meaning elevates another person. It focuses away from us and directs the attention to others, to the one to be praised. We ought to praise each other for the good things that we do, but more, more, more important, ought we to praise God. For you see, I've asked the question the past almost three months now, Who sent you? Who sent you to my door or to my phone? Who sent you with food, uplifting cards, drawings? Who did that? God. Same as he sends others to you. Praise. Praise God. Praise one another. Praise is often uh, conjunctive and it calls on others to join in the praise. Praise of God seeks to increase the sense of His power and His renown in the mind of humans. It's not that God needs a slap on the back or an ego boost, but we need to learn to see Him as He is. Not just something far away in the distance, someone we've never seen. Some sort of essence that's in the universe, but someone who, as I've talked about in our prayers, someone very real. Someone that even though we can't see him, we know him. Because we have seen him. We have felt him. We have benefited from him. We have been changed by him. We have been redeemed by Him. And so praise to God needs to become our ultimate model and standard and hope. Praise produces the vision of God in others. When others see us praising God, not just praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank God. Why? Let me tell you why I'm thanking God. Because today I was expecting something and I prayed about it and it didn't happen. I woke up today and I saw the sunrise and I'm 183 years old. Do you ever think about the sunrise? 
Do you ever anticipate it early in the morning? Coming up and knowing that God has given us one more day to get it right, to do what we can to labor. Praise is not only an expression of joy, but it completes joy. Who said that your joy may be full? Anybody know? Paul and John. God wants your joy not just to be a smiley face. He wants it to be full. I love the song, Blessed Assurance. And we don't take that song too seriously or not. But God has given us blessed assurance through his son, Jesus Christ. Does that make you want to pray and praise and sing and lift up your hearts and even lift up your hands and say, Thank you for remembering me. It does me. But when we praise God, the content of our praise is important as well. It should never be haphazard. You read the intensity. Uh, for instance, in Psalms 106, the very first uh, two verses. Praise you the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Why am I praising God? Because He is good. For His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. How many times have you asked God to forgive you? How many times have you forgiven your brother or a stranger? We need never to take that for granted. His mercy endureth forever. Here's a question. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? I say that sometimes. Father, there are no human words utterable by man to rightly praise you but I give it my all. It's important that when we look at the content of our praise, it needs to be substantive. It doesn't need just to be a hollow, uh, well, I forget, I forget my big word, Leland. Uh, but anyway, one of those things that we say, oh, God, thou art wonderful. Out of desperation. It needs to be a praise that is from the heart. A praise that is going to say, not only am I going to praise you, not only am I going to call on you to praise God with me, I'm going to tell you why God is to be praised. It was more than a summons, and we need to understand that. Even today, <coughs> it's okay to call on others to praise the Lord. Ask people to... Praise Him with you. But realize just saying that is not praise. It's a call to praise. It's not some empty emotional expression. But it should have emotion. Controlled emotion. Questions or comments? Yay!
The, we, the reason we praise God is given here um, in Psalm 106, what you just read, uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, uh, for his mercy endures forever. So really it's just when we praise God and when we feel it, it's, it's an acknowledgement of what is true. So. Absolutely. There's no, we're not flattering God, certainly not flattering him, certainly not giving empty words, but we're praising him because of what we know and what we have come to know and what we have experienced with God. And to say, you are my God, you are my trust, you are faithful and I must be faithful. And I am so overjoyed that I'm going to praise you with my heart and with all that I have. Now there are two major categories uh, of praise psalms. Uh, the first one, oops, got behind. First one uh, is found, that's found in psalms uh, involves generic language like praise the Lord uh, and it doesn't have much detail uh, or why the psalmist is praising. The second one and it has details. Some psalms begin with sort of a, a generic approach, and then it goes deeper into who God is, God's character, God's experience with them and their experience with God, how he has helped them, how he has reformed them, how he has changed them. And then we have a general form of the praise psalms. And the first is... It's an exhortation uh, or call to praise or worship. Where others are exhorted, they may be named such as the Lord's servants. And you read Psalms about Jacob or Zion's son, the faithful, the righteous, they that fear the Lord. God's name is always mentioned and often with these grand uh, names, appellations. See, I got even with you. <coughs> Names. The exhortation may begin with an exclamation such as, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8.1. Or with a statement. The second one is the main body of the hymn. And it begins with words like for or because. And then it lists the reasons, usually in short sentences, about why he should be praised. And why the deeds that he has done should be brought back to mind and lifted up. And then finally we have the conclusion. And the conclusion is almost virtually identical to the beginning. Reaffirming and calling for praising God. And what are the major themes? Well, we look at the praise of God as the creator, as king, praise of God for his Providence during harvest, looking into history and how God acted with man, and praise of God as he is approached in worship. Now, in the 10 minutes I have left, I want to look at some of the hallelujah songs and ask you some questions. So, if, <coughs> turn your Bibles to Psalm 106 if you don't have it already open. What different things has God done here that give the psalmist reason uh, to praise God? Just 
Just speak them out loud if you'd like. He redeemed them in the Exodus. I'm sorry? He redeemed them in, during the Exodus. He redeemed them during the Exodus. Our fathers in verse 7 didn't understand the wonders of Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of the mercies, but provoked him at the sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his power's sake. What else? The Red Sea. They crossed over on dry land. And I can tell you from personal experience, the Red Sea is a wide, 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 deep, deep, deep sea. It's not what we may think of as, as a little creek. That in itself, to me, would have made me believe if I didn't. Not saying the other things wouldn't, but that alone has left an impression in my mind. What else has he done for them? He describes ex various executions of judgments when they sin. Yeah. When uh, he was going to destroy them. <clears> Told <throat> Moses, I'm going to get somebody else. And he, he changed his mind lest he should destroy them, verse 23. What else? Well, we read of all the defilements and things that they had done. What caused God to continue to be with them? His great, long suffering. And we cast stones quickly at these people. But how many times has God been long-suffering with us? Me. Seventy-two years, I can tell you a lot. Don't have time, but I, I could. That is why God is worthy of praise, because he loves his creation. And what are the laudable characteristics of God? What are, what are some of the praise things uh, that you see here? I'll start out with verse 48. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise you the Lord. He's worthy. He's everlasting. Do you ever bless God? That's an unusual thing sometimes we think. God blesses us and we thank you for the blessings. We ever bless God? And say, God, I, I pray that you'll be happy. I praise you and may all the things that you see in my life please you. Blessed. What else do we see? Anything? Verse 45 is loving kindness. Yep. Loving kindness. He is wise. All right. Let's go to Psalms 111. Psalms 111. Praise you the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endureth forever. He's made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion. He's given meat to them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. 
he showed the people the power of his works that he may give them heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity. What's verity? Truth and judgment and the commandments are sure. <coughs> Let's tell me six things that God is praised for here and throughout the rest of the chapter. Oh, you don't have to tell me all six. I mean, just, what is God being praised for here? His righteousness. His righteousness, certainly. Patience. His grace. He's great. His work. work. His works. What about his works? They're so wonderful. They are made to be what? Remembered. Remembered. He's given meat to them that fear him. He is provident to his children. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He's faithful. What else? Mercy. Mercy. Verse 9, he sent redemption to his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. And I like verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. It's praise. It's praise endureth forever. And if you don't believe that, turn over to Revelation. Look at the throne scene and other scenes where God and Christ are constantly praised and exalted. Let's go to 148, maybe for our last one. Maybe not. I'll get there directly. Psalm 148. Praise you the Lord. Praise you the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him all his angels. And praise him all ye hosts. Praise ye him sun and moon. Praise him all ye stars of light. Praise him ye heaven of heavens. Ye waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he hath commanded and they were created. He's also established them forever and ever. He's made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from earth, you dragons and all you deeps. Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Don't you want to sing those few verses? They sound familiar, don't they? Beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of earth and all people, princes and all judge, judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalteth the horn of his people, the praise of his saints, even the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise ye the Lord. We sing the song that captures that, but what do you think the psalmist is trying to say? Put it in your own words. It's the same thing as Psalm 150. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. He gives a couple reasons why, but that's essentially what he's saying. Yeah. Why? These are the characteristics of our God. These are pictures of the God that we trust in and we worship. Even angels praise him. 
everything that he's created are worthy of his praise. Why not ours? Well, let's try one. No, that was the last one. Okay, sure. There are some things here in Psalm 148 that don't speak at all. Animals don't speak and trees don't speak. Right. But they're praising the Lord. And I just wanted to make the comment that praising the Lord, we're thinking about that with words, but it's also when things fulfill their function Absolutely. in the world, they praise the Lord. So a tree out here is praising the Lord because it's fulfilling its function. And we can certainly praise with our lips, and we should, but in in what our function is as a man and a woman, husband and wife, parent, when we function the way God creates us, we praise the Lord. Absolutely. And as a church fulfills its function and its purpose, it praises the Lord. And when we, as members of that body, accomplish what we are commanded to do, the work we're commanded to do, the benevolence, the love, the mercy, the grace, and all of those things, we praise God. Finally, in Psalms 8, if you get there before me, just kind of tell me what you think the psalmist is telling us here in Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name above the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies, that thou might still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of the fingers, the sun and stars which thou hast obtained, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you visited him? For thou hast thus made him a little lower than the angels, and crowned him with the glory and honor, and made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. What's he saying? We should praise God because what? He's given us everything that we need. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are the most fascinating books to open our eyes to who God is. Everything for a purpose, everything for a use, and everything for man, including his mate and his God. Any comments or questions? You've been good. I'll give you a gold star in my